stand and that'll get where it needs to get to. If you have the physical card, at the end of the service, we're going to pass the baskets down this way and you'll be able to put the card along with the physical offering if you have that uh, in the envelope as it passes by. So I am continuing the series on Daniel and um, we've been just kind of working through week after week, going through pretty much verse by verse here in the, with the book of, the book of Daniel. And there, there's a lot of really good stuff. I mean, the stories are great. There's just a lot of rich lessons for us to learn. The subtitle is, is Learning to Live as Exiles, right? Because, because Daniel was a teenager who gets taken out of Jerusalem, taken out of his home, brought to Babylon, and, uh, and is, is pressed into the service of the king. And he actually, what, what Daniel did is he served three different kings. We're actually now kind of moving towards the later part of his life. So we started with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the one who conquered Jerusalem, so he served Nebuchadnezzar. And then there was Belshazzar, who was, who was Nebuchadnezzar's son. And then now we have Darius the Mede, who uh, invaded Babylon. And so basically it was like in modern times, think about it, it was like Iran invading Iraq. Uh, and uh, and so, so you've had Daniel serving three different kings. Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, and he didn't just stay faithful to God. You'd think like, all right, this, this kid, you know, this teenager, he's taken out of his home, and, and if he could just stay faithful to God and not get corrupted by the idolatry and all that, that would be great. He, he did that, but even more so, he had incredible influence. He had incredible influence with all three kings. I mean, they gave him honor. He thrived. He was loved by them. Like, you're going to see, we're going to get to next week uh, when talking about Daniel and the lion's den. And Darius, I mean, he loved Daniel. And Nebuchadnezzar, you know, loved him. He just had incredible influence. And you see, I think there's a thing that we do, that churches do, where we create this false dichotomy. And what I mean by that is we say like, okay, well, either we're going to be faithful to God or we're going to try to influence the culture. And so maybe you have some churches that tried to be, like they wanted to be faithful to God. They wanted to stay holy. They wanted to stay pure. And so what they did is they didn't engage at all with the culture. They didn't engage at all with the world. It was like, we got we to gotta like dig a big moat and we've got to put walls up and we got to get in the church and we got to hunker down or we can't be stained and corrupted by the world. And so we're going to be faithful. And then you have maybe other churches that say, well, no, we want to have influence and so what, what maybe some churches do is they say, well, we want to have influence with the culture. So, so you got the Bible, and the Bible says a lot of things that our culture doesn't really want to hear these days. So we're just going to change that. You know, the Bible says a lot about sex that doesn't really line up with the way our culture thinks about sex. So, so let's just go ahead and change that because we want to have influence. And that's kind of the false dichotomy. You understand what I'm saying? We have this false dichotomy. Either we're going to be faithful or we're going to have influence. But what Daniel shows us, though, is that we can, we can do both, right? We can be faithful, like Daniel was faithful. I mean, Daniel did not compromise at all, but he also, he had this incredible influence. He kept on rising up the ranks. And so we see that with Jesus as well. And, and you know what? This false dichotomy that we have, I just have to tell you, though, our, our culture right now is really in trouble. You know, as far as for us to figure out what does it mean for the, for, for the people of God to be both faithful and influenced? Because our culture is in trouble. Like everybody kind of knows it. There was a Marist poll that came out this past week. 83% of people said they're worried about our country. 83% said, for, you know, probably a, a plethora of different reasons, but said, we're concerned. 
We're worried. We're kind of going in the wrong direction. We don't know what's up. And I'll tell you, there's this real sense that people have that things are like unstable, that things are wrong. And, and what it is our culture needs now more than ever, what our culture needs is you. That's what our culture needs. Our culture needs us. Our culture needs the church to rise up and be the church. Our culture needs us as the people of God to come into our purpose, to come into everything that God has for us. You see, God's plan, and I could walk you through like from Genesis to the book of Revelation and show you this. God's plan has always been to have a people. And what he wants to do is he wants to bless his people. He wants to put favor upon his people. He wants to put influence upon his people. He wants to put wisdom upon his people so that his people will be the light of the world. His people will be a city on a hill. His people will be salt, you know, to, to, to preserve, to, to keep everything. But so that when the world has trouble, when the world has problems, the world, the culture will run to the church and say, help us. Help us figure it out. See, that's God's plan. That's what he's always been up to. And that's, that's why we see that, that Daniel had all this influence. That's what God was doing with Daniel. Through three different kings, all throughout his life. Let's look at Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. It says, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. So Darius is trying to come up with a new bureaucratic infrastructure for his kingdom. 120 rulers, 120 satraps, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. Sounds like a good plan. So like each administrator has 40 direct reports. That's a lot of direct reports, but has 40 direct reports. And so like that way, everything's kind of flowing in the kingdom. It says the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel, now listen to this. Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators in the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel so distinguished himself with his exceptional qualities that the king's like, this Daniel, you're amazing. I'm going to put you in charge of everything. Now, what were the exceptional qualities that Daniel distinguished himself with, distinguished himself with? Was it his holiness? Was it his, his piety? Was it his faithfulness to God? Now, we know that was the foundation for his life, but the Babylonians didn't care about that at all. They didn't understand that. His exceptional qualities was that he was so good at what he did that the king did not suffer loss, right? That was the exceptional quality that made the king, whether it was Darius, whether it was Nebuchadnezzar, whether it was Belshazzar, they were like, we got to, this guy, this Daniel guy, he's amazing. We got to unleash this guy. And so, as you can imagine, the other administrators in the satraps, they didn't like this very much, right? They were a little jealous. And so, so here, you know, Daniel is going to be set up over the whole kingdom. So at this, verse 4, the administrators in the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They couldn't find no corruption in him, because he was trustworthy, and I love this, neither corrupt nor negligent. So neither corrupt, but he was honest. His character was like impeccable, but he, he wasn't negligent. He was also really good at what he did. Like he, he made sure that the king didn't suffer loss. He was really good at his job. Completely trustworthy, also really good at his job. And so they're frustrated. These men said, well, we're never going to find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the laws of his God. So they're so frustrated. They're like, the only way we're going to get him in trouble is if because he's so faithful to his God and he prays and he does this and he does that and he won't worship idols and why don't we don't get this guy? We got we to gotta get him on that. 
And so, so next week with Daniel in the lion's den, you can come back and you can find out what their plan was and how that worked out. That's a little bit of a teaser for you. All right. So, so, um, so this, right, just kind of paint the picture of Daniel's influence, right? This is what Jesus wants to do through us. This has always been Jesus' plan. And so it says, a couple of verses for you, 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So that means, listen, if you go to your, when you go to your job tomorrow or this afternoon or whenever you go to work, you're, gonna, you're going and you, you, know, you work for the company and you're you know, living your life, you're doing your thing, but what you need to realize is you have another job. You are an ambassador for Jesus in the kingdom of God. Like that's, I mean, think about it. Like that, that's thing, like you're an ambassador. So you're part of another kingdom, the kingdom of God. You're living in exile, and you're going to show up at work tomorrow, and you're going to be an ambassador. If, as, as it says here, it says, God is making his appeal through us. Be reconciled to God. It says this in Ephesians 3.10. It says, God's intent was that now... Through the church. Like we hear church, they're like, that's you. That's me. That's the Baptist church down the street. That's the Catholic church over there. Through the church, what God has always been up to is, is to display the manifold. His, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities, not only here on earth, but also in the heavenly realms. See, God wants to, through the church, He wants to develop in us as individuals and as a people, exceptional qualities. Exceptional qualities so that He'd be honored. So that people would say, what is up with you guys? What is going on? What is, what's the deal with your life? And so you think about Daniel, you know, basically four different empires. Because he was in Jerusalem and he obviously like did well there as a teenager in order to be one of the exceptional ones plucked out and brought to Babylon. And then all these other empires, all these other kings, and he had these exceptional qualities and he continued to rise up to positions of power and influence. So maybe you're saying, wait a minute, Phil, slow down. Like that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure. I'm lucky if I can put my shoes on in the morning. And you're telling me that, that I'm going to rise up and I'm going to have this, this influence over culture and, and, and these, these you know, exceptional qualities. That's too much pressure. Well, what I want to tell you, though, is that maybe what you don't fully understand is our God is in the transformation business. That's what He does. And so lots of us, you know, lots of us here today, there was a moment, there was a time when you, you know, to like to use like the religious kind of language, you, you asked, you invited Jesus into your heart. So it's like, well, you know, invite Jesus into your heart. Well, what is that? Well, that is one of the most, that is probably, that is the most life-changing thing that you could possibly do. Because Jesus said, he stands at the door and knock. If you open up the door, he's going to come in. And so when you pray that prayer or whatever it is you do, like I give an opportunity for people to pray that prayer pretty much every Sunday. And lots of you have. And so what you're doing is you're opening up the door of your heart. And so Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is coming into your life. That, that's what the Bible means when it says you must be born again. Jesus is the one who said you must be born again. Sometimes people are like, are you guys like them born again Christians? And I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? And usually whatever they think that is, I'm like, well, we're not that. But, but we are born again of the Spirit. What it means, what Jesus said when he said you must be born again, he means that you've got to have that moment when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And then what happens is from the inside out, God starts changing you. 
And so he's into the transformation business. And listen, not to put any pressure on you, but it's not like immediate. There's some things that like happen like immediately, but a lot of it is just left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. You're walking out. This transformation is, this transformation is happening. I love this verse. I don't have the text. This was a late, late edition here. But Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 28. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not now know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. See, that's what God is doing. This all by itself transformation. All by itself growth. I'll tell you what, that seed of the kingdom through the Holy Spirit that is inside of you is powerful. Can't stop, won't stop. There's going to be transformation night and day. Whether you sleep, whether you get up, he's at work. He's always working, you know, and that's, we try to orient our church around that. We really do, like this work that God is doing, this work of transformation. And so one of the ways we talk about the mission of our church is we want to help people know God because when we know God, that's when the Holy Spirit's inside of us, changing us from the inside out, find freedom. That as we walk with God, we get to a place where there's healing from the things that we've experienced in our past. So our past doesn't have to dictate our future anymore. We can discover our purpose, right? We can realize the exceptional qualities, the things that God is trying to develop and raise up in us so that individually and together we can make a difference in the world, right? That God is in the transformation business. And, and what exactly, let me give you, you know, as far as the particular of what he's doing in your life right now, what he's working on, I may not know what that particular is. But I can tell you the macro thing that God is doing in all of our lives. See, what he's about, what he's doing, this transformation, is he's trying to make you more like Jesus. He's conforming you into the image of his son. Now, one of the verses I quote all the time because it's so powerful and we need to know it is Romans 8.28 that says, God is able to cause all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. We don't realize the next verse, Romans 8.29, really tells us what that good is. Like, what's the big picture good that God is always about? It says, Romans 8, 29, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So, what I can tell you, even if I don't know you, but if you, if you have Jesus in your life, I can tell you what the Holy Spirit's doing. The Holy Spirit is trying to make you like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's going to use everything that you go through in your life to try to conform you into the image of His Son, to make you more like Jesus. That's what He's up to. So that as you become more like Him, we're not going to be like these Stepford Wife cookie cutters. Your individual personality, along with Jesus, is going to create something that is unique, something that is transcendent, something, as the Bible says, you're going to shine like a star in the universe. That's what Jesus is up to in your life. And so as we talk about these transcendent qualities that I think God wants us to be aware of, that He's what He's doing, how He's changing us, how He's transforming us, ultimately to make us like Jesus, let's think about some of the exceptional qualities that Jesus had. Now, I'm only going to go over four today, and obviously there's a heck of a lot more. Like, we could basically do this forever, talking about the exceptional qualities of Jesus. But four exceptional qualities of Jesus that can make a difference in our life. Number one is Jesus was a servant. Jesus was a servant. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7, talking about Jesus, says, being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So Jesus didn't just do servanty things. He took on the, the nature of a servant, right? He became a servant. And so what we need to realize, like when you go to your job tomorrow, 
When you go to your family reunion, whatever it is, whenever you're in a place, you know, where you're being an ambassador for Jesus, go in with the mindset of, I'm going to be a servant. I want an exceptional quality. I'm going to be a servant. And what does a servant do? A servant, just very simply, we can make it complicated, but whenever they go into a situation, they say, what can I do to help? What's needed here? Like, what can I do? What do you need from me? What do I, and rather than saying, what do I want? What do I need? We say, what do you need? That's, that's what a servant does. And so we have that mindset, you know, with whatever we do, and we see that the way to people's heart, the way to influencing people, is not through screaming at them, is not by shaming them, is not by pointing a finger at them, it's by serving them. The way to people's hearts is through serving them. And this is something Jesus did all the time. I love the story of Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus, you can find it in Luke chapter 19. I'll just tell you what, I don't, I don't have the, the verses here. But, um, but in, Jesus is going through this town. And it's like the apex of his ministry. So things are really happening. Like things are really hot. And so everybody's coming out to see Jesus. And so there's crowds in the street. People are lined up probably 10 deep wanting to see Jesus. Maybe he's going to heal somebody. We want to hear him teach. We want to get close to Jesus. Like everybody comes out. And so there's this guy named Zacchaeus. And he wants to see Jesus. Now Zacchaeus is a short little guy. And so with the crowds, he can't see over them. And so what he does is he climbs up a tree. Now, what's interesting about Zacchaeus is he wasn't just anybody. He was a tax collector. And we know tax collectors, right? They weren't just like, uh, you know, worked for the IRS or an accountant. They, they were sellouts to the Roman Empire. They were ripping off their people. They were corrupt. They were thieves, basically. And Zacchaeus was a really good tax collector. He was a chief tax collector, so he was a really good crook, right? And so Zacchaeus, though, he wants to see Jesus. He climbs up this tree. So Jesus is walking through the streets. He looks up. And he sees this guy up in a tree. Now, there's something you don't see every day, right? You could see maybe a kid up in a tree. You're not going to see a, a grown man in a tree. And, uh, and he probably was dressed really well, too, because if you were wealthy, you wore it, you know? And so, uh, and so, so as he's walking, you know, I, I would imagine that he did something like, he's like, well, Father, what's going on with this guy up in a tree? That's interesting. And the Holy Spirit said, that's Zacchaeus. You need to have lunch with him today. And so Jesus stops what he's doing. Looks up to Zacchaeus in the tree. Remember, there's like tons and tons of people around. And he calls him out by name. A word of knowledge that he knew his name. And he says, Zacchaeus, I've got to have lunch with you today. You and me, we got to hang out. And so what Jesus did is he served Zacchaeus with, by giving him the honor of having Jesus the prophet in his home. Because you'd be sure everybody wanted Jesus in their house. Everybody wanted to ask questions. Everybody wanted to get close to him. That's what was going on as all the crowds came. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I know everybody hates you. I know you're like not a part of this community, but I'm going to honor you today. We, I have to eat lunch in your house today. And that's all it took. That's all it took for Zacchaeus. He came down out of that tree. He didn't even have to go have lunch first. He said, I'm going to change my ways. If I ripped you off, I'm going to give you back you know, tenfold what I took from you. I'm going to completely change my ways because Jesus served him. Right? That's the way to people's hearts. And I saw this so clearly you know, in, in our struggle with the town of South Hackensack to get this building. Those of you who've been around for a while, you know that we went through a lot to get this building, right? With the town originally, years ago, denied us the zoning variance that we needed to come into this building. And, um, 
And they didn't have any right to do it. They were violating our, our First Amendment federal light, right? So we brought a lawsuit against them. And as you can imagine, things were a little acrimonious with the town, right? I had to like drop off paperwork and we'd have to meet at the zoning board meetings like every month. And I'd always try to be really friendly, you know? And, and like sometimes at zoning board meetings, we'd, bring, we'd pack the place out with church people and we'd all be smiling and be happy and be nice and be like, don't you want to let us into your community? We're nice people. And I remember one time, one of the zoning board guys was like, you all seem so nice. You know, and it was like, he was conflicted by that. I think one guy actually started crying because he's like, you're so nice, but they're telling me to not let you in. And I, you know, it was like, it was crazy. And so, so anyway, uh, you know, we finally got in because they didn't, you know, they had to let us in. And so the very first thing that we did is we did a serve day. Maybe some of you might remember that we had red shirts and everyone said serve. And we went out and we served all of the senior citizens in South Hackensack. And so like prior to that, I'd have to get something at the town or have to call over or whatever. And they were always like really mean. They were like, like they wouldn't smile. They'd be mean. But after we did that, like I walk in, it's like Pastor Phil. And it's like, hey, would you know, it's, it's like completely changed. And, and people apologize. We're so sorry that you, we put you through that. And all it took was one serve day. And what I wanted to say is, guys, I I was telling you that this is the kind of stuff we're going to do. I wish you would just believe me. Life would have been a little bit easier. But it just really shows the power of being a servant. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you go to work tomorrow, first thing, pick up a box of Krispy Kremes. And some of you healthy people are like, Phil, you said serve them, not kill them. But listen, all right, whatever. But listen, don't, it's not going to be the same thing if it's carrots and celery. They're just not going to you know, so Krispy Kremes, all right? And, and just, you know, go in with that attitude that says, how can I help? You know, what can I, not, you know, what can I do? What do you need from me? Because it's powerful, right? Exceptional qualities, be a servant. The second thing is this, Jesus was respected. Jesus was respected. Now, we don't think about this as much as we should. People didn't understand Jesus. People didn't like, they felt threatened by him. But everybody respected Jesus, right? Everybody that he interacted with. Like Mark 7, 37, it says people were overwhelmed with amazement. He's done everything well, right? That's how people responded to Jesus. Same thing with Daniel, right? I remember, I mean, they're looking. They're trying to find dirt on the guy. They can't find nothing, and they're frustrated. So they had to be kind of like, you know, they were upset, but they had to, be, they had to have respect for him. You know what I mean? Like, we can't find anything. This guy's, this guy's too good. And so I'm talking about having exceptional qualities that are going to make you stand out. And when you have these exceptional qualities and you stand out, I'm telling you, this, this is something that can make a real difference. And let me just say, I'm not, this next part here, I'm not just bringing this to you as a pastor trying to teach God's Word. I'm also a boss, right? When I planted this church, I, you know, it was just me. So that wasn't a boss. But as the church has grown, now there's like, I don't know, 12 or 13, there's a bunch of people who work at this church. And, and most of them are direct reports to me. And so I've, got to, I've had to learn how to be a boss, and so, so what I want to tell you about being respected and about the, like if you want those exceptional qualities so that your boss, I can tell you, if you do some of these things I'm going to talk about in a minute, it's, you're going to stand out. You're going to stand out. And I know I have some people here who are bosses and who are managers, and you're going to probably be like wanting to stand up and applaud because it's something that's desperately needed. And so let me just give you two things, two things for you to think about when you go to work tomorrow, whatever it is you do, 
Because we got a lot, you know, we got people all sorts of different jobs. We got people who are dishwashers. We got people who are plumbers. We got people who are lawyers. We got people who are doctors. We got people who are teachers. We got people who are pastors. We got all sorts of different jobs. Whatever it is, when you go in tomorrow, the first thing that I want you to, that I want you to think about is that you're going to really try to do things well. Do things well in your job. You want to have exceptional qualities that are going to stand out. Do things well. Even, listen, if your job is that you're a dishwasher, have this mindset that says, I'm going to be the best dishwasher that I can possibly be. Because how is it normally that dishwashers are? Someone who's got that kind of entry-level job. They probably show up 20 minutes late, if they show up at all. They probably have a really bad attitude. They probably try to just kind of do the bare minimum and kind of slows up the kitchen. So if you say, I'm going to be the best dishwasher, and I'm going to get there 15 minutes early, I'm going to get there 20 minutes early. And I'm going to talk with the waiters and the waitresses. I'm going to talk to the kitchen. And I'm going to say, hey, what do you need from me? And what can we do to make this better? And I'm going to come up with a system. And I'm going to try to become the best dishwasher that I can possibly be. I want to tell you, you're going to stand out. That exceptional quality is going to stand out. And so whatever it is you do, if you're a lawyer, how can you become the best lawyer to best serve your clients? If you're a doctor, whatever it is that you have this mindset that says, I want to honor God with what I do, so I want to get really good at it. I want to get really good at it. I want to do it well. The second thing is this. Do more than expected. Do more than is expected. Let me tell you, if you are a worker, whatever it is you do, If you go the extra mile, if you're someone who sees that there's a need and you don't just kind of wonder when someone else is going to do it, but you try to meet that need, I'm going to tell you, your Darius is going to love you. Your boss is going to think of you as being absolutely invaluable. And so many people today have this attitude. It's kind of like, how can I do the bare minimum? What's the least amount of work I can do and not be fired? How late can I get without being fired, without being written up. And if you, if you flip that around and you say, you know what, I want to display exceptional qualities, so I want to get really good at what I do, and I'm going to go the extra mile, you know, and our motivation to do it isn't just so that we can climb the ladder. It says this in Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And so, so when you go to work tomorrow, realize you're not working for your boss, you're working for Jesus. And if you are the boss, you're not, you know, you're not someone who's like unaccountable, you're working for Jesus. That it's the Lord Jesus that we're serving. And I'm telling you, if you'll let that truth get in to the way that you wash dishes or the ways that you do depositions or the ways that you do, uh, you know, spreadsheets, whatever it is, if you get the attitude that says, I'm doing this for Jesus, and that starts to work its way in, you're going to be someone who has exceptional qualities. God's favor and blessing is going to be on your life, and Darius is going to love you. All right, here's the the third thing. Jesus was loving. Jesus was loving. As you can tell, these aren't in order, right? Jesus was loving. He showed mercy and grace wherever he went. He was, I mean, wherever he went, he loved, right? If there were lepers, you know, that were unclean, he would, he would lay hands on them and heal them. He would welcome the outcast. He would restore the broken. He would talk to the woman at the well. He said, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. 
Galatians 5, 6. I love this verse because it just puts it out so simply, so clearly. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. And listen, back then in that day, he's writing to a Jewish audience, to Galatians, circumcision and no circumcision had all the value. And Paul says, doesn't have any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So listen, be a servant, but be a servant because that's your faith expressing itself through love, right? Do what you do well, not because you're prideful, not because you want to show off, but because it's your faith expressing itself through love, right? Go the extra mile because that's your love in action. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And the church has messed this up. We, it's like we just haven't even seen this verse. Because the church historically has made, has, has made church life and our message to the world about so many other things. We've been dogmatic. We've been argumentative. We've pointed fingers. We've been ju- judgmental. We've engaged in culture wars. We've had this us versus them mentality. Something that, that I'll continue to speak out at because I think it's, such a, it's, it's so concerning is we've allowed ourselves to become politicized. Rather than being the prophetic voice that God wants us to be to our culture, we've sold out, we've sold our birthright to political parties so that we're just kind of the lapdog of a political party and we're not coming into the purposes that God has for us, right? The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. We cannot antagonize and influence at the same time. In other words, you're never going to be able to lead someone to Jesus who views you as their enemy. And that's why, that's why like, we don't, like I say over and over again, we don't do culture wars here because we don't want, half, we don't want people to think that we're their enemy, that we're at war with them. We, we're at war, but we're at war with the devil and his kingdom. We're not at war with any people, and we want to see people come to Jesus. And we know as long as, they think of, as, long as anyone thinks of you as their enemy, you're not going to be able to win their heart. And so you see, here's the thing. Our message to the world is really simple. The message that the church is is supposed to have to the world is very simple and it's very powerful. It's that God loves you. That God loves you. He knows you completely. He knows you better than you know yourself. And you know what? He sees all the way down. He not only, he knows things about you that you've forgotten. He knows, he doesn't only know what you've done, he knows why you did it. And he knows it back to the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth generation. He knows you better than you know yourself. And his knowledge of you does not keep him from loving you. Actually, I think it makes him love you even more. And this is really powerful. Because so many of us walk around, we live our lives with shame. Right? Guilt is when we feel bad about things that we've done. Shame is when we feel bad about who we are. And I think there's a shame epidemic that's going on. And I think one of the reasons is something we've been talking about, you know, talking about our culture over the last few weeks, this expressive individualism. Because what expressive individualism says, right, is this this philosophy that says, hey, what life is all about is you have to look in. You've got to look deep within and you've got to find out who you really are, your unique identity. And then what you need to do is you need to put that unique identity out into the world so everyone can see your unique identity. That's expressive individualism. And that's kind of the dominant, you know, philosophy of the age. And so everybody's looking in. And what's happening is people aren't liking what they see when they look inside. People are, you know, what they see is they're like, I look inside and I'm, I'm kind of broken. I look inside and I'm kind of empty. I look inside and, and, I, and I feel unlovable. 
See, so much of the pathology, so much of what people do, I think it really boils down to the fact that people feel down in their core that they are not worthy of love, that they are unlovable. And I think that leads to all sorts of problems, all sorts of issues, all sorts of acting out. But the message, the message that the church has, the message of Jesus is that, you know what? You are all the way down to your core. You are lovable. You know why? Not because of what you've done or because of what you've, you haven't done. You are lovable because you are made in the image of God, redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. And God, who's the foundation of all reality, says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And so that makes you lovable. And this, I'm telling you, this is a powerful message. This is a message that people desperately need to hear. Our message is Jesus loves you. Jesus sees you. Jesus knows you. Jesus is for you. And what it is, what it is we do, what the church does, right, is that we deal with issues way too soon. We put the cart before the, ho- the horse. We need to help people experience the love of Jesus before we get into the ways that God wants to change us. Listen, God loves you just as you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you the way that you are, right? He's going to change. He's going to transform. All of us are in the process of being made more. We want to conform to the image of Jesus, and we all have a long way to go, right? We're all in the same boat. We have a long way to go, and so the goal is that we become like him, and so we press in. We press in because we know that he loves us no matter what. We don't press in to earn his love, We press in because we already have his love. And that's a distinction that makes all the difference, right? And so the message of the church is we love because he first loved us. And so we're going to love because Jesus loved us. The last point is this. Jesus was bold. Jesus was bold. I love that about Jesus. You know, listen, and again, I could, I could have 80 points about the exceptional qualities of Jesus. We'll, We'll just, so I don't keep you here all week. We'll just stop with four. But I love the way Jesus, like, he never backed down. Like, he spoke the truth. He never backed down from speaking the truth. Didn't matter, you know, whether it was Pilate, whether it was the Pharisees, the whole religious, you know, structure that was so powerful at that time. He spoke the truth. And it says this in John 1.14. I love it. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so the grace is the love and the mercy. The truth is the truth. And so he balanced grace and truth. There's another verse in Ephesians that says, speak the truth in love. We have a hard time finding that balance. But you see, Jesus found that balance. And so we have to be bold. Listen, when it comes to, you know, thinking about, I want you to be thinking about how you're presenting yourself at work, whatever your job is, having those exceptional qualities so that we can have influence. And so, and so when you go to work tomorrow and you're trying to, you know, and you're, and you're being a servant and you are bringing the Krispy Kremes and you're becoming really good at what you do, right? And you're doing everything in love and, and, and people are, you know, maybe you're, you're getting promoted and you're going up the ladder and you're over the satraps or whatever it is that you make sure that you're not just this like deep, 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 deep undercover agent for Jesus, right? That you're, that you're bold with your faith, not like weird, not obnoxious about it, but bold. 
Because what's going to happen is like when your boss comes to you and your boss says, man, you're awesome and I wish we had a lot more like you and you have such exceptional qualities. I don't think you'll say it like that, but you get the point. Or she, she'll say it like that. You get the point. That you use it as an opportunity to give glory to God. That you find a way, not just to be like, thank you for noticing how awesome I am, but you direct it back to Jesus. And I'll tell you, one of the things that's going to happen is that as people, as people realize that you're following Jesus and you have these exceptional qualities in your life, and what's going to happen is they're going to come to you with their problems. Like that's gonna, I guarantee. They're gonna, I remember one time you know, I was coaching Little League and, uh, and there was this guy, and I knew him kind of well. Like We were friendly. We were coaching together. He was one of the coaches on my son's team. And so my son and I pull up for practice, and he comes running over to me. He makes a beeline to me, and he's like, you, I have to talk to you. And what had happened was his wife had just left him the night before, and what he said, he had other people that were closer friends, longer friends, but he had to talk to me because he knew that he was going to get advice from me that was different from what he would get into the bar. You know, and that's, that's what's, that's what's going to happen. People are going to come to you. And people are going to come to you and they're going to say, hey, listen, you know what? I'll tell you what. I know you've gone through some things and you always have a smile on your face and you're always hopeful. I don't get it. How do you do that? And you say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Or they come to you and say, hey, listen, my marriage is really, it's rough, it's hard. We're talking about getting, you know, about separating. Things aren't really going well. And you say, hey, you know what? I've been married a long time and we've had some rocky times. But let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about how Jesus helped, how Jesus brought us back together. Or if they have anxiety about their kids or whatever it is, that we look for opportunities that we're bold, right? Not obnoxious, but bold when there's an open door that we have the courage to go through it. Right? Because we're going to find that people, that people are going to come. And I would love, listen, another thing that I would love is I would love for us to be a church full of people who are, yes, we've got these exceptional qualities and we're glorifying God and we're honoring Him, but also we're people who know how to pray for the sick. We're people who know how to minister in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. In the same way that Daniel clearly like, had God's supernatural power on him, that we also have God's supernatural power on us. We had, listen, and if you hang out in this church, you're going to learn how to pray for the sick. We, had, we just had our final Alpha class this past uh, Thursday night, and it was on healing. And somebody who was there, you know, has lived like all their life with one leg shorter than, than the other, and all sorts of back pains and lifts in the shoes and stuff. And while that person's getting prayer, there's like a pop, a click, the, the hip kind of comes out, legs are perfectly straight, you know, and she was just absolutely freaked out. She's like, this is, this is crazy. I can't believe this is happening. You can learn how to do that. Right? And, and if we get to, the, get to the place, like if somebody comes to you and says, man, I, I slept on my neck weird and it really hurts. And you say, can I pray for you right now? Or, man, my back has really been bothering me. I've got knee issues. Can I pray for you right now? And again, you don't have to be weird about it. You don't have to like take on some kind of different voice and be like, in the name of Jesus. You, know, you don't have to do any of that. So I can do that if I wanted to. It's kind of fun, but I don't want to do it. But you just, you know, say, just put your hand on them and just, in Jesus' name, say, I just speak healing. I speak blessing to you. Who knows what God's going to do? But that we would be bold and that you realize that, listen, you're an ambassador, right? You're an ambassador. God wants to reveal exceptional qualities through you. And listen, in this day and age that we live in right now, if you lean in, if you start to say, I work as, you know, as not as unto, you know, as under my boss or under the whatever or for the paycheck, I'm working for the Lord Jesus, and you really get that into your, into your heart, into your motivation, into your life. 
You will develop exceptional qualities because the seed of the kingdom is inside of you and God is at work conforming you and making you more like Jesus and you're going to be salt, you're going to be light, you're going to be like a star that's shining in the universe because, listen, when there's, if, if there's as it feels in so many ways that we all kind of have this sense that we're moving into kind of like a time of more darkness, right? I think that's really what people feel. It's like things just feel dark and we're... Light shines brighter in the dark. And so this is a wonderful opportunity for the church to rise up. There's a verse in Daniel, and I'm going, I'm, I'm freestyling a little bit right now, but there's a verse in Daniel that says, those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And I think that's what God is saying to us right now. Those of us who know him, let's be strong and let's do exploits for such a time as this. All right, let's stand. We're gonna, what we're going to do, I'm going to get into some ministry. We're going to do some ministry here today. We're gonna, those of you who are on that last row over there, you've got a basket underneath your seat. And if we can just get it, pass it on down. And we've got some ushers here who can kind of, if it gets stuck somewhere, they can kind of help keep it going. And then you just want to put your connection card and you want to put your, uh, if you've got a physical envelope, an offering, you can put it in there as well. We'll just let that... Just kind of let that get started. And then I just, I really felt like I just wanted to take a moment for us to just press into the Lord. So come, Holy Spirit. Those of you here, just, you know, even if you're comfortable, lift up your hands like this, like you're going to receive something. Those of you online, do the same thing, whether your living room or whatever, if you're driving, don't do that. But other than that, And I want you just to have a sense of expectation right now. Because the Lord is here. You know, there's a couple things I want to pray into, but first and foremost, He loves you. He loves you. And I think some of you, you're, you know what, you just, you live with this constant sense of shame. You've had this thing in your life, like for all your life, that you're unlovable. There's something wrong with you. There's something broken. And God says, I love you. So therefore, you're lovable. Doesn't matter if a million people have rejected you. God doesn't reject you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? And so Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you'd open up the eyes of our hearts to see how wide and deep is the love that you have for us. God, you are a good, good Father. So come, Holy Spirit. More, Lord, let it come. Let it come. Bless your presence, O God. And I believe God, I think there's two things God wants to do today. He wants to pour his love out on you. And he wants to put his favor on your life. He wants to put his favor on you. God's favor just means like God is, you know, it's like you're a sailboat. And God's just filling the sails with his wind. And you're going to go faster and further than, than you could ever imagine. But not, not just to like, you know, move you up the ladder. But to have those, those exceptional qualities 
that are going to make you stand out wherever God has placed you so that you can honor and glorify Him. And so I want to pray for you. I want to do it a little differently. And I, I just want to invite you. I want to invite anyone who's, who just is like, that sounds good. I want more of God's love and I could use this favor and my exceptional qualities like definitely need some work. I want you to come up. I just want you to come up and right here in the front of the church, just come on up and don't be shy. We don't, you know, we there used to be a time we used to do ministry time like this every week and we kind of mixed it up now, but I really felt like God wanted to do something today. They wanted to pour something out. So just come up. It's kind of a, like almost like a step of faith, an act of faith that you come up. And you can just, yeah, you don't have to turn around. You don't have to do anything. Just come up and just, you know, you can just continue to just like keep your eyes closed and focus on the Lord. Yeah, and you can, you know, at any point, if you feel like you want to slip on up here, feel free to come on up. More, Lord, I bless your presence. I bless your presence. Thank you, Jesus. More, God, let it come. Let it come. Let it come. More. So, Lord God, I pray that right now, in the name of Jesus, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit. Receive, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with God's love. Let it come. Yeah, there it is. You can just feel, just breathe it, just take it in. God, the Holy Spirit's here right now. And He's talking to you. He's telling you, I've always loved you. Loved you with an everlasting love. You're the apple of my eye. Your name is engraved in my palms. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I brought you through the valleys. I brought you through the storms. I brought you through hard things that you never thought you'd go through. But I didn't leave you alone. And I'm never going to leave you alone. Receive the love of the Father. Receive it. Let it come. Thank you, Jesus. More, Lord, more. Bless you, God. Bless your presence. We love you, Jesus. And Lord, I want to pray in Jesus' name that you pour out favor that you'd transform us, that you'd make us like Jesus, that we would, that we would shine like stars in, the, stars in the heavens for your glory. So receive God's favor. Receive, receive in some ways a new vision for your life, a new sense of what's possible, a new sense of what God wants to do, a new way to look at your job, a new way to look at the situation, the season in life that you're in, where God is bringing out exceptional qualities that you would honor Him, that you would glorify Him. And maybe what some of you need to do just in your heart right now, and it's just between you and God, is just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I worked for a paycheck. I'm sorry I tried to do as little work as I could do. I'm sorry that I didn't honor you. I didn't work for you. But I want to change that. And from here on out, I want to honor you in every part of my life. I want to be a living sacrifice. And so receive his boldness. Receive his favor. Receive his life. In Jesus' name. More, Lord. More.
Yeah, you know, His presence is here and people are receiving. I don't know who's here from the prayer ministry. I know it's the middle of the summer. People are away. But if we have people from small groups, uh, small group leaders, uh, prayer ministry people, maybe even some of the people who are receiving, you know, you're just kind of like, okay, maybe you can go pray for someone. Just just come. And I don't know if everybody here is going to get prayer, but just something's powerful. Like when people kind of lay hands and they pray, it might have a word for you or, or something that God just wants to kind of drive home a little bit. Who, what he's doing, what he's saying to you, because he's really active, he's moving here. So yeah, so if we could just get some people to help, guys who went through the doing the stuff class and prayer ministry team, all that kind of stuff. So come on up. All right, more Lord. Bless your presence. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Grimaldi's just gonna continue to pray, play for a few more minutes. We're gonna pray for people. You know, feel free to kind of linger. Whatever God's moving, God's working all over this room, just receive whatever he's doing, okay? God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.